You are listening to episode 164 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. We record this podcast each and every week in Homewood, Alabama at Shades Valley Community Church inside of Three Streams Studio. And my name is John Mark Durow, and I am joined by the one and only Bradford Brown. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, and I'm feeling really old. You know why? Because I'm trying to remember if I went to the beach last week or not, and after a few it seconds, it was last week. So, uh, I, did y'all record a podcast last week? I didn't we check. We did. Oh, what was it? <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what did we do last week? I love now it. Now I'm the old man. Yes, I'm glad I'm not alone in this. I know that we made fun of you a bunch while well, you were course, gone. Well, of course, naturally. Uh, oh, we did a meet a member. Oh, we okay. We had a member with Tommy. Oh, awesome. Tommy Wilson, yep. I'll have to listen to that. It was Did, great. Was there a was there a book that was recommended? Jonathan recommended a book. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it blew you away. <laughs> You'll never forget it. Uh, yeah, no, we had a great... Did you have a good time, though? I mean, how was your time there? I had a great time. Going to the beach with a baby was a little different. I've yeah. made the joke, I need a vacation after that vacation a couple times. Classic dad joke, coming in strong. But, you know, it was great getting to be at the beach with EA. She loved the pool. So that's yep. where we spent most of our time. Cause the Kids beach, love the pool, man. The beach was a little much, um, but we spent a lot of time at the pool. That was relaxing. And then we did a first that I've never done before since going to the beach, and that is we didn't eat out one night because we had a baby, and it just felt like a lot. And a lot of the places we want to go were 18 and up, which is like, ugh, come on, people. But uh, – we we really made the best of it. And so there's a place where you can get fresh fish. And so we would go there, and the fish was amazing. We cook it at home. We did fish tacos. And instead of paying $5,000 like we would going to a restaurant on 30A, you know, we, uh, we saved some money. And so it really was a good time. Uh, it, it was great to just get away and disconnect. Jeff Stallcup and Amy Ross recommended a book. I'm not going to say what it was. But... Uh, because it's going to be probably a recommendation on Bradford's Book Club. Actually, I don't know if I'll do a recommendation or not. Anyway, I asked Amy and uh, Jeff for a recommendation, like a fiction kind of um, something, you get a peek into who I am, something kind of dark and mysterious, and it's going to be intriguing, and it's going to be something I can't put down. And so they both recommended. It was random. I talked to them on the same day. Separately. Separately. They recommended the same book, and so it felt like it was from God. They recommended... Stephen King's The Stand. So I uh, I did a combo audiobook and Kindle and kind of read that. And it was fun to just kind of disconnect from everything, enter into that world. So that was fun. That's not Bradford's book club. I'm just talking okay, about, that's not I'm a, just talking about okay. a book. So it was great. I'm talking about my vacation. How, how are you doing, John Mark? I'm doing well. Over the weekend, Ashley was out of town. She went to Wisconsin for her 20-year high school reunion. Don't know if I should say that or not. Don't want her to sound old. She's not old. Very young. You mean her fifth high school reunion. Right. Um, but then that would make me weird, so <laughs> let's not... Her 10th high school reunion. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Anyways, she was out of town. And I was with the boys all weekend, so we just had we went to my parents' house. They have a pool, so we swam all weekend. Enjoyed the sun, 
led worship on Sunday morning. She came back. The boys are at Nintendo Switch Camp this week. Oh, yeah. Which is here at Shades Valley. Is being, we're hosting. We're hosting. Uh, Brandon Ballard is leading that camp this week. He's a friend yep. of the show and longtime member here at Shades Valley. And they're just literally just playing video games for six hours a day. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Brandon. They're loving it. Oh, great. Right now. So that's where they're at. Uh, it allows me to get my work done. Ashley can go into work and everybody still enjoys their summer. And so, yeah, man, it's just, you know, good time at the Duro household. Went out on a date last night with Ashley, went to Bamboo on second. Oh, did you get some sushi? Got some sushi. We love love going there. Um, It's probably like our, maybe our fourth time there. Yeah, it's fun. Love that place. So yeah, man, things are good in our world. I'm taking the boys to see the new Disney Pixar film that's coming out this weekend called elemental we're going to go see that on friday night while ashley has a some sort of jewelry party at her house oh wow i I don't know so there any ladies listening i think it's an open invite there's going to be jewelry available uh it's kind of like a pop-up shop kind of like our house like a pyramid scheme or i don't think it's like an essential oils pyramid scheme type thing okay uh, I think you can just come and have some appetizers or something, wow. get something to drink, and maybe there's going to be some jewelry there. I I don't know. Okay, been planning it all. There's just a lot going on. This is our, our first right paid now. sponsor. <laughs> That's right. So if you have nothing to do on uh, what is it Friday, June sixteenth, <laughs> I believe it starts at six o'clock. Uh, just email me or. Contact Ashley and she'll give you our address. Yes. No spam, please. And no this spam. episode is brought to you <laughs> by Ashley Jewelry by Ashley. Ashley's Jewelry. There is a big Juneteenth celebration uh, happening at the Hoover Library on Saturday. Oh, shout this out to Saturday. Annabeth Reese. That's right. And Ashley has been working with Hoover Ahead, which is an organization in Hoover. Uh, and they're they're putting on the entire Juneteenth Festival. They've partnered with the Hoover Library to host it, and it's going to be incredible. So if you don't have anything going on, it's a totally free event. Oh, wow. Uh, you come. There's going to be music, singing, arts and crafts, all kinds of fun stuff for the kids. This Saturday, I think from like 11 to 5 or something like that, um, there's going to be food trucks. If you want to get some food while you're there, it's going to be awesome. So cool. Lots of things happening. All right, let's do yeah. an album real quick. Yeah, that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, I'm ready for some new music. All right, guys. One of my favorite bands of all time. Metallica? (laughs) One of my favorite bands of all time, Icelandic Quartet, Sigur Rós, dropped a new single this week on June 12th. It's seven minutes and 16 seconds long. Wow. It is a beautiful, uh, you know, when you just listen to their music, because sometimes they sing in Icelandish or they actually sing in their native tongue, uh, you just don't even know what they're singing about. I have no idea. It's just the music draws you in. It's a perfect mix of like sorrow, but also hope. I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they are able to combine those two emotions or feelings just by simple chord progressions, but they do it. So the the song is called, I'm probably not going to pronounce this correctly. It's called Blueberg. But not like B L U. It's B L O O B E R G with the with all the stuff above it. <laughs> well, it's said. Icelandic. I I don't know. <laughs> Bloberg, Bloberg. I don't know how you say this. 
Search Sigoros. Search Sigoros if you've never listened to them before. It's incredible, incredible, beautiful music. And they've been putting out music for the for a long time. This is their first single in seven years, so you can understand why I'm pumped about this. I believe they're gonna have a new record coming out soon. They're got a, they've they've announced a tour, so there is a tour happening. I don't know when the album's going to come out, but I am ecstatic to hear it whenever it does. So one of my all-time favorites. Do you like Sigur So Rose? beautiful. Do you like Sigur Rose, Brad? I do. Yes. I saw actually them. saw them live in Birmingham yeah. at the BJCC, me and five other people. Yeah. It was really depressing. <laughs> they had to be depressed on stage as they looked out into all the empty seats in the BJCC <laughs> arena. But... I was like front row. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. And uh, the concert was amazing. So, yes. Well, you know, John Ball and I went to see them last year at the Ryman in Nashville. Oh, it that's was right. Sold out. Wow. That's great. The power. It's so powerful. Of those four guys. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I, I can't even. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. So. Yeah. It's one of the few concerts that I remember everyone just being so locked in so that still. they are that they are completely frozen. Yes, yeah, so exactly. Still, yeah, I mean, incredible. Yeah. So, anyways, check out their new single from Sigur Rose. Yes, that's my album of the week. Whoops. <laughs> just gonna hear that again, I guess. JM's album of the week is teaming up with Sigur Rose. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cut that. Welcome to Bradford's Book Club. It's good to be back with all my fans, fanatics, and followers. Today we have a special guest on the program. He's been sitting here patiently. Is Was I supposed to introduce Patrick at the beginning no. of this thing? I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. No, I want him to come in for this segment. Uh, I have a special guest for Bradford's Book Club. Uh, Patrick Smith is with us in the studio. Oh, no. He came all the way here just to do Bradford's Book Club, and so yeah, we're yeah. so thankful for his participation. Patrick, thanks oh. for coming on the segment today. Uh, thank you. I uh, didn't know I was part of this segment. Well, now you do. Oh, no. So you have some books sitting in front of us. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm just uh, curious, what do you have for us today on the segment. You know, anytime I see Patrick, he's always got books with him. It's yep. it makes me feel good. He does. He's got a satchel. He's carrying <laughs> them around. He's a big Just reader. A big old sack like a uh, Santa Claus. He's like a portable library. Patrick. That's is. that's he what really I am. is. Um. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I was really not expecting <laughs> to be a part of this. Um. Was not expecting to recommend it. Like literally every book here is either a, a biography or a horror novel, which is not going to be a thing for everyone. Well, it's not about everyone, Patrick. It's oh. about you right now. Okay, you <laughs> know what? You know what? I'll, I'll recommend. Yeah, this book. I definitely didn't recommend a song for everyone. If I recommended books based on what I thought other people would read, yeah. uh, it would be a totally different segment. Yeah, I didn't bring these books to recommend for obvious That's reasons. That's right. No. Um, so I guess I'll go with this one. This is uh, Starting Point, 1979 to 1996 by Beautiful. Hayao Miyazaki. Cool. Uh, if you know Miyazaki, he's uh, one of the you know founders of Studio Ghibli. 
uh, and he's made quite a few amazing films. He's actually got another one coming out this year, and they're going with the revolutionary tactic of no marketing whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> no, I no, it's pretty cool because they're just like, yeah, it's a new film by Miyazaki. If you that that's something you're interested in, you're just gonna go see it. Oh, so wow. like in Japan, they put up one poster and they're like, that that's it. <laughs> Come see the movie. No plot. Just you're you're going to see it. Crazy. Um, but I think that speaks to the power of like what he does with his movies. Uh, I mean, I watched one of his last night, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which is one of those films that I like to say is kind of like deceptively plotless until it like hits you like a freight truck. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, just like every time I go back and watch it, it's just like, oh, I'm having a great time. All these fun and fancy, and, like fanciful characters. And then all of a sudden like, oh no, a character might die. This is a, uh, and it's, it's so it's, it's another film that's kind of like about children processing potential grief of, of, of a loved one. Hmm. Um, and so like, I just started bawling um, wow. watching this movie. And I think that speaks to the power of like his animation, what he does. Um, and so okay. being able to hear and see like some of his sketches and like ideas behind how he approaches stories is, is super neat. Um, and, and I just he, love the way that he, he passed away. No, he, so he's got oh, okay. one more film coming there's just, out. There are dates on the book. and So, so that no, there's actually two installments. So there's this one, which is like from before Studio Ghibli founded when he was kind of getting started uh, up to 96. And there's a second uh, volume, which is far more recent. Um, but he has one okay. more film coming out this year, and he has announced that this is his final film. Uh, and in a way, he's kind of pitched it as like uh, a going away present for his grandkids. Just like this is what I want to leave my, my legacy. This is what I want to say to Wow. Everyone. Okay. Um, and I just love the way that he views the world. Like he's not the most positive person. Like he's kind of, kind of cynical, but like when you watch his movies, you realize like, Oh, this is a man that even though he may be cynical about a, a, a quite a few things, mm. like he's just got such a, a wonder for the world around him. And like, there's just such a, a care for even like, the most despicable characters in his stories. And I think that's what makes him such an appealing storyteller. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to hear like all these amazing stories from his career is, is amazing. Awesome. Right, tell us the title and the author one more time. So that's Starting Point, uh, and it covers the years 1979 and 96 uh, by Hayao Miyazaki. Awesome. I will, I will do a quick tie-in. Last week on Shades Midweek, when we interviewed Tommy Wilson, I asked him what his favorite four movies are and one of the films that he said was spirited away so which good. is a miyazaki film. i mean there, wow. there's something to say that okay like amc's and even sidewalk this year they host like uh, a ghibli fest every year so it's a couple films are selected from their canon and you can go watch them in theaters again either in that's cool the original japanese with subtitles or the dubs that we've done in, in america and let me tell you having watched both of pretty much every one of the films Go watch it in Japanese. Yeah, do the subtitles. The, it's okay. just the performances are so much better. Question <laughs> about that. Mm. So I've never seen any of these films. Mm -hmm. I know that HBO Max, or it's called Max now, I guess, yeah. uh, <laughs> whatever, uh, has Studio Ghibli films. Yes. they have, Are those the Japanese versions they or are they both. dubbed? They have both. Uh, so you need to specifically opt in for the Japanese audio. How do you know? How do you, know, so, uh, how do, you do It'll that? say, so the ones with just the titles are the English dubs and then it will say like My Neighbor Totoro Japanese sub. Okay. Okay. 
Mm. Um, Those so are that's the ones, that's the ones you want. You want Japanese audio. Uh, they're better performances. There's a moment in My Neighbor Totoro that plays entirely different in the English version. Wow. And it's such a downgrade. Wow. Like, I remember mm. watching, it was like, this This is really disappointing. Like, I remember, th- like, that was the scene that hit me like a truck the first time I watched it, because it's the moment where the film, like, changes from, oh, it's a fun little adventure with forest spirits, to, <laughs> oh, no, someone might die. Woof. And, like, th- this moment of, like, this little five-year-old girl who, like, screams and cries, it, it's, how do you screw up that bad? Like, how do you make it not feel the same way? Um yeah, just go watch the Japanese right. version. Mm. Okay, it's okay. like eighty minutes, so it's not that long either. It, but it's it's amazing. You heard it here, and this is what Bradford's book club is all, all about. All about movies. <laughs> bringing in, <laughs> bringing in members. What are members reading? You know, yeah. what are what are they interested in? Yeah, what kind of art do they like? I'm yeah. also reading the new Stephen King book. Okay, so fairy tale. So connection. There. It's much more of a a fantasy novel with horror elements, uh-huh. and I love it. It's so good. See? I haven't finished it yet, so I can't wholeheartedly be like, "Oh, you got to check this out." But Stephen King pretty much never misses. There you go. I mean, have you it. just read a King book. Uh, that's right. Exactly. I'm enjoying it so how? far. Oh, so you um, haven't finished it. I no, was about I'm to be like, how'd you finish the stand that fast? Yeah, it's that like book a thousand is some massive. pages. No, I just got into it. Okay. So, yeah. Well, Patrick, thank you so much. Great recommendation. Bradford's Book Club, our number one priority has always been members of Shades Valley, and so we wanted to show that today. Thanks, Patrick, for coming on, and for you didn't know you were coming on until... I literally announced that you were coming on, so great job. <laughs> One quick note before we jump into the rest of the episode that we've already recorded, it, and this was kind of strange, but um, on a note on death and a note on reading, Cormac McCarthy passed yeah. away, and John Ball sent that to me yesterday. I'm a, I guess it happened yesterday. If you don't know who Cormac McCarthy is, famous American novelist, he wrote No Country for Old Men, which the Coen brothers later adapted to film, incredible film adaptation, but the book, is I've read it, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. He wrote The Road, the Road which, yeah. wow, incredible, incredible novel. He wrote other uh, books such as Blood Meridian, uh, All the Pretty Horses. I've not read all of his work, but he is one of my favorite yeah. uh, fiction writers. And I, I just bought, like at Christmas, I just bought his most recent mm-hmm. Uh, novels that he's written and I haven't haven't even popped it open yet but uh, yeah Cormac McCarthy R.I.P. Okay well I for one am very excited today because we get to talk about movies that's right this is one of my favorite things to talk about so any day that I can wake up come into the office and talk about movies is a good day in my book and will be cherished for the rest of my life Today on the podcast, we've brought in someone special that knows a lot about movies. His name is Patrick Smith. He's been on the show before. He is an SVCC member. Patrick, good to see you. Great to have you here with us. Thank you, live audience as well. Yeah. Yeah, Well, Patrick, uh, apparently somebody's going to know that this is not a live audience. People are going to find out all of our tips and tricks and secrets because how? Because, ladies and gentlemen, for some reason, there's a camera (laughs) set up in the corner. Of Three Stream Studio today, and we are being filmed. Is this our first video podcast? What is happening uh, right now? Technically, it's not our first video podcast. Uh, I still have to edit Shades Midweek Live from, I think, two years ago. We filmed yeah. that, episode 100? Yeah, I, we got the whole like nice camera set up. I don't think I knew I was massive. being filmed. 
Well, Probably I'm, protest. I'm, a, I'm upset. I normally spend two to three hours getting ready, and this morning I only spent an hour. And so for <laughs> all you of you that are- finishing you're, the movie. You're, your hair reflects it. <laughs> exactly. For all of you that are looking, I apologize. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is an ongoing series here on Shades Midweek that we call Shade Cinema. It's where we choose a film, and we- all watch it. We usually bring in a special guest. So Patrick has actually been on before. The last time you were here, Patrick, for a Shade Cinema episode, we sort of threw it on you last minute. It was a film you had never seen. Yep. So this time you did that to us. This is a You're film welcome. that you had seen already, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you said, this is what I want to watch. And so yeah. we decided uh, last minute, okay, we're all going to watch this. Brad, myself, and Jonathan had never seen it before. Nope. Uh, so Brad actually just got done watching it. Literally. Seconds so ago. Literally. That's the best. Uh, it's I, very fresh. I got up this morning at 5 a.m. and put the, <laughs> put the coffee on. It was quiet in my house. No one was up. It was really, I don't know if anyone, any one of you have ever gotten just up, and just go straight to watching a movie in the morning. I, I have never done that in my life. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Yep. It's like a morning walk. I take it's, that it's back. Quiet. Patrick, have you done that? Oh, absolutely. I it's yeah, like all the, the time. earth is the yeah. earth is rising and, and you're just enjoying someone's beautiful film. I, ta- <laughs> I take it back, uh, but I think the only times I've done this in my life, it's not the peaceful experience you're describing. I think the only time I have immediately watched something upon waking up is when I've been sick and in bed. Uh, okay. I think I did that as a kid. Yeah. I would do it as a kid. Well, I put a pot of coffee on and got the caffeine Got some popcorn. No popcorn, oh. just some waffles, <laughs> and I enjoyed. I enjoyed this. This film is called Petite Maman, which it's a French film. I believe it translates to Little Mother. Yes, Patrick's going to tell us about it. It was directed by Celine Sciamma. 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 Okay, um, it's a seventy-two minute long film, which for me. Anything under 90 or 95 minutes has really become a treasure for me <laughs> this year, especially after I've had kids for a while and I've kind of gotten into this rhythm where I can watch movies at night after the kids fall asleep, especially if Ashley's going to bed early. She likes to get up early and run. She likes to do productive things, exercise her body, you work like on her You like to get up health. and watch movies. I like to yep. get up and then sit back down. <laughs> In a different for an spot. hour and a half in a different spot <laughs> and watch something. Uh, so when she goes to bed to take care of her body and be healthy, I uh, stay up late and watch movies. And so these ni- the, these films under 95 minutes have really become a treasure for me. I've really enjoyed a lot of a lot of films. So this was another one. But but Patrick, why don't you why don't you just tell us a little bit about the film and maybe sure. why you why well, you chose this? Well, I for mm-hmm. one was incredibly stoked when I figured out I was going to have to watch the whole thing with subtitles. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a French film. Of course it of is. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I, this is the first French film I have ever watched. I'm glad this oh, could be wow. the introduction. Oh, wow. Yeah. True story. I decided I decided to watch it without subtitles to get the full effect, but I didn't really understand what was going on. This this is the second French film I've watched this week. Oh my word. What was the I have one? watched movies with boo. In foreign languages. We should languages. have the crowd boo. I have watched movies in foreign languages with subtitles before, you know. But the the other one uh I don't the other one I mean, in I've French seen of the Christ. The other one in French is called La La Noir Day, okay. but it's Les Mis, black. What? It's called Black Girl. 
It's called yeah, Black yeah, yeah, Girl. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, made in the 60s. It's like a, an hour-long film, so I watched it the other night. All right. All, All right, right, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. But I, I picked a fringe film that was only 72 minutes, so it wasn't that hard to get through. No, and a I, lot of the film doesn't have dialogue. It's a lot of like right, right. stillness and, and, and quiet. Yeah. Uh, and a lot more is conveyed through like visuals rather than right. dialogue, which I really appreciate. And I think that's uh, part of the talent of Siyama. Most of her films are like that, where she likes to sit in moments rather than and let you feel them out yourself rather than just be like, here's how you should feel, which I think is... A, a huge benefit to foreign cinema is a lot of that allows for stillness in moments that American cinemas would just like rush through. Um, mm. And so I, I think this is a great introduction to foreign film for a lot of people because it's, it's a recent film, but also it is so short. So it's not like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to have to read while watching a three hour movie. No, it's like 72 minutes. You well, can it's watch P- it. Yeah. It's PG. The whole yeah, family can watch it. It's a family it. friendly movie. As well, long as your I, kids don't get bored of reading <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like I should just say right from the get go, like I enjoyed the film. Yeah. I enjoyed the film. We can get into specifics and all those <laughs> kinds of things, but yeah. Anyway. Take us through it, Patrick. Why, why don't you just give us a synopsis? I know what I felt. Synopsis. What was I supposed to feel? <laughs> why don't you give us a synopsis I, of what the film is about? Sure. Uh, so it's a movie that centers on this young girl uh, named Nellie. She's eight years old. Uh, and at the start of the film, it's revealed that her grandmother has recently passed. And so her and her two parents go to her grandmother's house to kind of pack everything up so that way they can uh, sell it uh, and, and, and handle all the estate issues. Um, and so it's kind of just like a, a week in the life of Nellie as she tries to kind of parse through her grief and then watch her parents also deal with the same kind of issues. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some magical realism stuff happens where uh, her mother leaves, but there's also a kid that shows up that shares her mother's name. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a fairy tale aspect to the film, should I think, we just go ahead? I mean, spoilers are, yeah, yeah. are given, right? Well, yes. here's oh, the deal. Yeah. I don't know how many people actually. When I was on Letterbox, Liz Sturgeon uh, checked this movie. Uh, she goes to Shades here, so she has seen this film. If she listens to Midweek, she'll enjoy this episode. <laughs> I don't think anyone else has seen this film that goes to <laughs> go Shades. Go see it. It's on yeah. Hulu right now. I yeah. think. Yeah, you can yeah. stream it on. That's, that's how I watch. I it. don't have Hulu, so I rented it on. Uh, Amazon, it was totally worth my $2.99. So, you know, if, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, stop the episode now. That's right. spoilers are coming. And and go watch it and, and then come back and listen. All right. That was our spoiler warning. Let's keep going. Okay. So the girl that shows up <laughs> <laughs> is actually her mother. That's the magic part. Um, and so... Uh, a lot of questions that children have as, as kids is like, I wonder what my parents were, were when like. they were at my yeah. age, what yeah. they were like. Uh, and a lot of it is just kind of, you get fragments of it, but you never really get a full picture of who they were at that time. Um, like, I know stories about my dad driving a motorcycle through the halls of his, his high school. But beyond that, I don't know much about how he was as a student, things like that. So well, I only that- get glimpses of my, my parents and you know, a lot of it's a huge mystery, so it's me filling in the gaps. Right, right. And this is, like, one instance where someone actually gets to have those answers, like, get get those answers and right. figure out what they were exactly like at that time. Well, and you get that, you get that theme through a bit of the dialogue that Nellie has with her dad, 
where she basically says that you only ever tell me small stories right. about when you were a little. And, and he asks her, like, what are small stories? And she's like, you know, whether or not you liked pizza. And, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. she gives another example or whatever. And she's like, but you don't tell me the real stuff. And he goes, well, what's the real stuff? And she goes, like, what what were you scared of? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, so you get kind of that theme setting yep. you up, I think, for this encounter that she then gets to have, which one of the things I loved about that whole thing, I I, pick, I, I was very proud of myself. I picked up on it pretty quickly. Of course, I, I, <laughs> I feel like they make it obvious, yeah. but, but yeah. I picked up on it pretty quickly that it was her mom, uh, and she's going to her mother's childhood home, and she's actually getting to see her grandmother again, all of those kinds of things. I, I picked up on that. Um, but one of the things I love about the way they do it is it so non-fanciful? Yeah. Like, they yeah. never really go into, like, is this time travel? Is <laughs> yeah. she just imagining this in her head? Right. Is she, you know, like, there's no, like, portal she's stepping through. Like, I mean, it's just it's just the way they tell the story. She wakes up at the end of the movie and... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it was sitting, all a dream. She's sitting in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, they just don't go into that. They just They just let her have kind of these interactions and let it be what it'll be. Right. You know? I mean, I think... Any explanation that you would get would be ultimately unsatisfying because anything that you could come up with is far more interesting than like putting an answer down on paper or on celluloid. So it's, yeah, I think not giving you an answer and allowing you to kind of question, is this real? Is this not? Is it a bit of both? Uh, I mean, it plays into the perspective, the childlike perspective of the film. Well, and I I loved the fact that the, the little girl, Marion shows up right as her mother leaves, and then the last time she sees the little girl, you know, is the moment that her mother returns. And right. so it it kind of creates that space for you to theorize what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Anyway, either Nellie went out into the woods and had this entire imagined experience, right. getting to know her mother better, um, or it, it was real in some right. some way. Yeah. And this processing of her grief and getting to say goodbye. Yes. To her grandmother. I right. think that's the biggest part of the film, especially going back and rewatching it. Because, uh, I mean, I can get a little bit uh, more real world. Um, when I first watched this film last year in May, when it premiered here in Birmingham at Sidewalk, I was originally intending to go see it with my mother. Um, she got COVID, so I had to go by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but in January of that year, my grandfather had been diagnosed with uh, cancer. And so we'd been kind of dealing with that at the time and by the time I actually was able to rent the film again and watch it with my mother for real he had passed and so the experience between watching that film kind of in media res and then after was uh I mean it's it's a lot it definitely hits Mm -hmm. you like a a ton of bricks the second time you watch it when you're like Mm -hmm. in the midst of grief uh and I think that this film does such a good job both depicting adult forms of grief but also like the, the child way of processing grief, like not quite understanding everything. Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Yeah, I concur. I think uh, that was my big takeaway <clears throat> from watching the film. Yeah, I've only seen it one time, uh, but it just, the more uh, that I've thought about the film, I've actually have really just reflected more on my own life and my own experiences. I think that's what the film has done for me, is it, it kind of, uh, uh, like you're watching the film, you're looking in, in on it, but it's also like looking in on your on yourself, on the perspective right. of the audience. And so I think most people have experienced grief, have lost a loved one in some way. You know, I, I all my grandparents have passed away yeah. 
and I was a little bit younger when that happened. But in particular, like when my uh, when my last grandparent, or actually not my last grandparent, my grandmother passed away. That was my mom's mom. I was clo- very very close to her. Um, so watching this film for me, it just kind of just takes you back through all through all of that, like saying your last goodbyes. Did you get to say a last goodbye? Yeah. What was your last interaction with that person that you lost? What did that look like? Do you have any regrets over something that you didn't say or, or did say or whatever? Uh, and just kind of, so, so it allowed me to really process that. And so I've been thinking a lot about that this morning. One of the things that I loved about that uh, in, in the film, and I, I'm not a film buff. I could be completely wrong in everything I'm about to say. <laughs> Most likely. I stand over correction. Um, but I, I think, you know, so, so the film opens, uh, like you said, with the grandmother having passed and with Nellie expressing this regret that she didn't get to say goodbye the way she wanted to say right. goodbye. Right. But what's interesting is the mom asks, like, well, how would you have wanted to say it? Yeah. And she just says, au revoir. And the mom replies and say, well, like, it's very normal. And I think yeah. I think for all of us, we have this kind of idea when there feels like there's that, that lack of closure. I didn't quite get to say what I wanted to say, do what I wanted to do, whatever. Like, like we feel like we missed some big kind of grandiose thing yeah. we should have done yeah. at the close of someone's life. And it's like, if I had the chance to go back, I could do that big grandiose thing or have that big moment or whatever. And so what you get through the film is you get through – Nelly, that chance to go back and to do it again. And what I love is she doesn't do anything crazy big or grandiose or what she goes back and enjoys are the small little normal moments of yeah. life. Yeah. And a small little normal goodbye. And and I I feel like I, I felt like what the film was laying out is this is what is significant. Mm. is just the normal getting to be with who you love and connect with them. It's not anything big, grandiose, or or having the perfect words or saying the right. It's just, it's you got to do life together, and that was what what mattered. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Patrick, I like what you said about um, uh, grief through the eyes of a child, Mm -hmm. and I really loved how the film kind of takes you back to childhood and you're experiencing what a child is experiencing. You're seeing the world through the lenses of a child. And that's something that's so hard to do as an adult. uh, We forget so quickly what it was like, but not only what it was like to be a child, but also just how you saw the world. And so I don't know if I'm skipping ahead, but one scene that I just laughed out loud at was when they were making pancakes together. <laughs> yes. And so, so for everybody, this this is uh, Nellie, the main character, Nelly, with Marion, her, her mom, Marian. as a child. They're which, both eight-year-olds. Yes, which I don't know if we've already said this, but at first I was like, is this the same girl twice? Did they find <laughs> no. a girl? How did they do that? seems like they wouldn't do that for this film. They're did sisters. they find someone? Yeah, yeah. they sisters in And then life. a quick yeah. Google... <laughs> It was like, oh, they're twins. Okay. What, what I did realize, and we'll go back to what you were talking yeah. about, but what I did realize on multiple rewatches is that through clothes, they make it pretty clear. Uh, like Who's both who? Through, yeah, it's it's an incredible yeah. way to do that. It's very simple, but it, it makes it like, oh, you you never really get confused after 
you've been watching it for a little bit. You're like, okay, that's who that is. I was having to pay attention to how their hair was styled to just so that I could tell which one was which. It's it's all those little things. But how are they wearing their hair? Okay, that's the the one. That's Nelly, you know, or whatever. Anyway, so back (laughs) to the kitchen. They're making pancakes (laughs) together. Yeah, they're making pancakes together, and you know, they're just making a mess. And I'm getting totally anxious i'm like oh gosh this stuff is going everywhere and then they like make the flapjack and they just flip it and you know put it onto the where the dishes are being cleaned and it's totally ruined but they're just giggling and laughing right i mean they just don't have that that kind of care and so one of the things that i loved about the film is it kind of makes you go back to when you were a child and how you saw the world and the kind of innocence and uh, wonder and silliness that you experience, but also like that a child is a, is able to have very deep emotions, right? Um, and to grieve in the midst of that, and so that was kind of interesting just to revisit. But then also, which Jonathan briefly touched on, to go back and to think about your parents as kids, and to think about how they experienced the world. And to think about, because, you know, our parents are these authority figures. They, as a kid, they, they know everything, right? They have everything figured out. Obviously, that can shift a little as we get older. But, you know, they're these towering figures. But to think about uh, them. Who, who were never children in <laughs> our never mind. Children. They were never children. It's just like your teachers. Like exactly. You only exist in the <laughs> confines of this school building, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. But that's one of the things that the film did for me was, to, you know, to think about my, my parents as a kid and what what it was like them growing up with their parents. And so I, uh, that was great as well. Right. It's by taking this parental figure that you only know in one real aspect of your life and making them a kid, you kind of demystify that person. You make them real because you're like, oh, you also were like me. You also had these feelings. You also experienced these things. Because in, in one of the scenes early on, um, Marion as a kid admits that her own grandmother has just recently passed. And so right. she's also processing that grief. Mm. Uh, and so they kind of both get to process a similar grief together. Right. Well, and, and you realize, you know, that uh, Marion is going to name her daughter after right. her grandmother, you know, kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Not to move too far away from the film, but on what we were talking about just then, the imagining of our parents, like as kids and all of those kinds of things. Like I have wondered and pondered how that's going to shift over time, because one of the things that makes my parents' childhood mysterious is I only have the stories they tell me and not that many pictures, mm-hmm. because all pictures right. were on film, very limited in the number they could take. I have almost no video no video footage of my dad, period. Um, what I have of my mom is silent. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very few. And then even like my kids, like the footage they get to see of me. Yeah. There's footage of me. So they get a, a bigger window into me as a kid. But even that was limited. You know, my parents VHS. were using the big bulky yep. VHS, all that kind of stuff. But like, so my grandchildren's ability to look into their parents' childhood is just going to be so different. Right. Because of the just insane amount of pictures and video. Right. And all. Like, so I just wonder, like, how much that will shift or affect that kind of thing. Or yeah. mm. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. That's just a random thought caused just by everything we're yeah. talking about with, with the movie. Well, I'm actually going to get a weird example of that in my own life, more than likely. Uh, so there's a lot of pictures of me as a kid on film. 
And then there's this period where we transitioned to digital and then like now and like two years ago, our archive of all those digital files just crapped out. So there's like a decade of my life that just doesn't just, exist. Just, just gone. Just gone. Uh, so there's no pictures of it whatsoever. Wow. So the only things that still exist are what w- whatever was uploaded, like on on uh, on Facebook, and that's it. Wow, kids, you want to see what I was like as a kid? Here's a login. Psych. To my <laughs> to my social media account. Just go read. Actually, <laughs> don't. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just burn it to the ground. Oh, oh, you don't need to see this. That's great. Oh. Well, you know, one of the things for for someone that doesn't watch this type of film a lot. What I and I'm not someone that watches these types of films a ton. So what I you can mean fi- this isn't your second French this, film. This, this is week? not my go-to. So I'm coming <laughs> at it from a different place than Patrick and John Mark are. There's a there's a part of me at the beginning, and I would just love to hear y'all talk about this experience. And Patrick, you uh, referenced it briefly at the beginning, but there's a part in the beginning. I'm constantly trying to figure out what the heck is going on, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what is the point of every scene. Like, what are they trying to communicate? What are they trying to reveal? What's the theme? Am I missing something? All of that, mm. and then as it goes on, you kind of get a little more used to it. And yeah. I think it's that space that you were talking about. Right. And one of the things that I love about it is it does allow for multiple kind of interpretations and emphasis to come forward. And so, you know, Jonathan mentioned something earlier and I was like, oh, I didn't even like think about that with a film or I didn't even (laughs) see that. And it's like, was that right or is that wrong? Is that what the director was trying to do? And it's like, well, no, there's actually an amount of space that's given that allows you to bring yourself into the art form and to reflect. And the director, I think, would say, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can miss things, right? Yeah. And you can be way off. <laughs> and I guess you can there do it in a way... correct. Yeah, there's a way in which it kind of moves away from the film in its totality. But nonetheless, there is right. space to, to bring yourself. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it can kind of be enjoyable. It can take the stress off for, to be like, you need to perfectly figure out what's going on. Right. Well, that's... I mean, that's a discussion about art just mm-hmm. in general, right? right? And I think the way I've experienced it most has been discussions around songwriting. And I mean, I think there's a general consensus amongst songwriters of like when a when a songwriter writes something like they have a meaning, like there's something behind what they're communicating and saying and all of that and something they're experiencing. But simultaneously, they want the listener to take it and the listener's going to fill it with their own meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I might be writing a song about grief over a departed loved one. And for somebody else who's just like gone through a divorce, this becomes a song for them that's about grief over their marriage, right. mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And like, I think that the songwriter is like, that's not incorrect, you know, for you to do that. Like, yeah. art is meant to come in and meet us where we are and touch our emotions and help us to process those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, I, I, I think that uh, the it, it's generally true about about film as well. I do have uh, a question about a particular scene that I'm wondering how y'all interpreted it because it's sure. the one that I I didn't really know. Um, not to say like you got to figure everything out, right, Brad? <laughs> but right. so so first, tell me if I'm correct in this. Was there no music in the film until that final scene where they go out on the little lake in the yeah. boat? There's yeah. uh, uh, when the there title something card at pops the up. There's like a little piano motif that pops okay. back up in that song at the end, but right. mostly it's absent yeah. of music. Right, because I definitely noticed that as the film was going on, I was like, I think there's been no background music. But then when that scene comes, because there's been nothing, it it comes with such force. Yeah, right. That that music entering there. But that was the scene that I 
I, I felt like I was like, I'm not 100% certain like if I'm supposed to feel something, what I'm supposed to feel here. Because basically it's kind of the climactic scene with these uh, with Marion and Nellie and they go out on this little boat and onto this thing. To and, the pyramid. And, yeah, to this pyramid-looking thing in the middle of... Uh, it sounds weird to describe it, right? <laughs> yeah. In, in the middle of this thing. And I guess, like, for me, I'm sitting here going, like, because this hasn't shown up in the film at all, like, what's the... like? So throughout the film, there's talk of a little fort, a little hut, and that the mom had as a kid, and they meet at this hut, they do some work on the hut. Blah, blah. So I feel like, okay, if we have this climactic scene like at the hut, like I, it makes more sense to me. This is like a running theme or what have not. Yeah. So I just didn't know. I'm like, am I missing something <laughs> right here at the end? How did y'all interpret that scene? Pa- Patrick, I know you're going to give a good answer. So before <laughs> you give your good answer, all I want to say is is that in response to Brad, real in, in response to Brad and what Jonathan just said, I think for me, and maybe this is just really bad on my part, but I've but it's I've terrible. but I've heard similar sentiments from other folks. Um, so like Sigal Rose just put out a new single yesterday, and I just listened to it. And I think when it when it comes to me like engaging with film or music, the first thing that I that I try to do um, when I first listen to it or watch something is just to let it just kind of wash over me in some ways. So I I know that there are some personality types that are like, <laughs> I need to know what this lyric is. I need to know what this person is saying right people now. In this room no, time. I'm not. Just <laughs> just kidding. We call those people engineers and accountants. <laughs> They're like, I need to know what Dave Matthews is writing about the first time that I listen to this song. And for me, I'm what I'm trying to do is capture the essence of, of what's happening and then on subsequent listens and in this case like rewatches which I really don't have I'm not really afforded that time in my life I can't I'm not I'm I probably will not rewatch this film I'm thinking that maybe down the road if my kids get older and I can convince them to love film like I do maybe we could watch this film at some point um but I I think in those subsequent re-listens that's really when i start to engage with the material in a more uh critical using a different part so when i saw that part of the film when that music started i was like this is the best part of the movie i for me it was like i love what's happening i don't know why there's a sense of adventure here there's a sense of like something something is happening there's like a, a passage but the way that this is shot and the boat and the colors and whatever this, you know, uh, pyramid, pyramids, whatever, whatever this structure, this structure that they're going to. I think it's about reincarnation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the music reminded me of uh, M83. Yeah. A lot. Like when those oh, arpeggiated yeah. synth- synthesizers came in, reminded me of M83, which is like a French indie uh band i think they're from france uh so it reminded me of that so i immediately got out shazam and i like shazammed the the song like while i was watching that part because i loved it so much and because it is it is such a stark contrast to the rest the the film is very intimate it's a very intimate film from beginning to end and that's the really the only part in the film that's like this 
like I'm here. Watch me. Watch what right. I'm doing right now. Well, it just, you know? So, so I'll I'll say a couple. So of things I don't really know quickly. what it means, Patrick. We will let you talk. I, that's all that to say. <laughs> I'm excited to hear other people's stuff. I should say a couple things. One, I completely agree. Yeah. Like with you, John Mark. Like, I and I, th- I feel like it's something I've grown in uh, over the years. My ability to experience art um, for beauty's sake. Yeah. Um, because I, I do feel like I'm very analytical and I want to break things down. I want to understand right. things and all that. But I feel like I've grown over the years um, that I would compare it to like a flower and appreciating a flower as a flower and beautiful versus the need to dissect the flower in all of its parts and understand and scientifically classify it and blah, blah, blah and all of that. It's just, it's a flower. It's meant to be enjoyed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like I've grown in that. I think that I was probably a little bit more alert uh, watching this film because I knew I was going to have to talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> with I mean, people. I think that probably changes your yeah, perception yeah, yeah. of how you watch things. Yeah. When, yeah. I, when I listen to albums now, there's a perception of I have to give an album for JM's album of the week. So right. I need, I'm like, it's like I'm listening to it in a different mode right. sometimes. You, you get a little bit, a little more into the, yeah. into the critic uh, yeah. mindset. I get that. I will sure. totally say, even though I didn't feel like I understood the, this scene's place in the film, I enjoyed it yeah, yeah, as yeah. a scene. For like sure. when the music came in to me, what it felt like is it felt like it was opening up. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas, whereas everything like you were, you used the word intimate. Yeah. Like everything had felt really, I had been marked by grief, I would say, or the way it's said in um, by uh, Marion. They discuss Marion's sadness as an adult, and whether or not Nellie's responsible for it. And and Marion has this line where she goes like, "You you didn't invent my sadness," kind of thing. But I feel like every scene of the film is marked kind of colored by sadness throughout except a few glimpses mm-hmm. the the one you get in the kitchen that brad you talked about mm-hmm. the scene of the father shaving yep. um, yeah which we can talk about that if y'all want and then uh and then that scene but that scene feels the biggest right it right. feels like it's it the opens, most climactic yes it, feels, and it opens yeah. up you've spent all of your time either indoors or in the woods right and all of a sudden everything opens up sky yeah. all of that kind For of thing. sure so, all right, Patrick, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us what it really <laughs> means, Patrick. What did it really mean? Uh, well, two things. Uh, this is the perfect time to talk about the cinematographer for this film, who's great, Claire Mathone. Uh, she also did Siama's previous film, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which if you haven't seen, it's one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen. Uh, just is, is that streaming beautiful. somewhere? I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. It's probably on I know, Criterion. I know is Criterion it, is it, is it has called a Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Is it's the name French, in French? But you can type in Portrait of a Lady okay, on okay. Fire. Okay. Well, and you know what's interesting is that movie was like a pretty big hit for her yeah. commercially. And then she did this small and film, then she did just like the opposite. Like yeah. instead of doing something big like most directors do now, which is like yeah. go do a Marvel. Or I was about to say like she that. didn't pick up the, the next Avengers. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but and then Mathone also did Spencer, the Kristen Stewart. Uh, Oh film man! From a couple years ago, that movie's so good. It is so oh good. My um, What's it called? Spencer. Spencer. So it's about Diana oh. Spencer. It's like during this time where she's about to get a divorce oh, from yeah, her. Yeah, husband. It's it, amazing. It, it stars uh, Kristen Stewart. Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, re- I never saw it. I saw the it's, trailers. It's <laughs> incredible. Um, and but every th- every time I see one of Mathone's films, uh, just all of her cinematography is what people call painterly. It's just very exact, but it's just. It, but it's simple in a very beautiful way. 
Um, and I think Petite Maman does that so well. Like, every image in this film is just gorgeous to look at. You can just pause this movie and be like, yeah, I'd, just, I'd frame that on my wall and put yeah. that over there. Um, just the way she uses shadows and lights, uh, specifically in those nighttime scenes in the bedroom where, like, the shadows kind of creep yeah. across the wall. Incredible. Yeah, that was cool. It's so simple, but it's 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 gorgeous. And like like you said, in this scene, it kind of opens up, and you have this really like grand vista mm-hmm. at this pyramid, which is like this public art installation in the middle of this lake. Um, and and I think one of the things we try to do in American cinema is we try to like everything has to have a meaning. We have to uncover what it is, and that's such an American mindset that watching foreign films often is like disassociating from that idea is like you have to remember like oh some of this is just to experience just to feel it's not necessarily meant to have this exact meaning and even if like like i said earlier if you give something an exact meaning like you tell people like oh this is what this song is about it's like oh well that's that's cool like now i know i have the answer to that question but that knowledge doesn't exactly benefit me because now it closes off interpretation and closes off the ability to kind of read into it your own story um, and so I think what's so great about this scene is it, it kind of denies easy categorizations, difficult to give it mm-hmm. an exact meaning. But I do think a lot of what you're getting at is probably correct. Um, it's, it's this scene, well, it's, it goes back to that idea of like, um, uh, one day you played with your best friends for the last time, like when you were a kid. Uh, and right. you didn't know it. Like the, right. the last time you set down that basketball, you had no clue that you were never going to play with your friends again. In this right. moment, they get that kind of I just got knowledge. so sad. It, well, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm going to try like, to turn like, it around. He's, he's right. I never thought. When was the last time yeah. I set down that basketball? Okay, yeah. I'm going to try and turn it around. I'm going to go back. Just get out of the Green. black hole. <laughs> yeah, can I add one to that? I Mo- need a pyramid. Here we go. Can I add I one to that? Moses just came down with a milk and egg allergy and we didn't know the last time oh. that he had my, mac and cheese like legit mac and cheese like oh. we, we didn't know when that last time if i told be. y'all i'm an enneagram four I'm I gonna cry. <laughs> we didn't know when that last time he could have a normal chick-fil-a chicken nugget gosh just know when that was gonna happen mm. i can't talk now i hope that, well, that that could change okay well let's even I'm gonna go try, i'm gonna try and pull we can change this black hole of sadness. <laughs> wait can i get a little sadder sure sure let's go sadder <laughs> so i mean you see this constantly when people you lose a loved one. I was uh, just watching a TV show that I won't name, but there was an elderly <laughs> figure that died unexpectedly. And one of the things the show did so great was just showing the randomness of death and how it happens in the midst of just normal life and how you don't get it's, um, you don't get the full narrative of like what's happening you get it in bits and pieces and so like someone texts or you get a call and you have like a few sentences but you're like trying to piece together what happened how did he die what what were his last words i'm not sure well did he suffer uh no i don't think you know like all these things are kind of coming together in the midst of like just you thinking about putting dinner on the table or preparing for something at work or what have you and in the midst of that there can feel like such a loss of control over something that's just so um, tragic and so traumatic. And so in an attempt to get some sort of control over the situation, (laughs) we go back and it's like, 
Well, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have said this. Yeah. I wish I could have communicated in this way just to get some sense of stability in the midst of darkness and tragedy <laughs> and the abyss that's coming for J- us all. Brad, I wasn't J- laughing at you. Jonathan John has a meeting in 10 minutes. <laughs> John Mark started crushed. laughing at me. <laughs> Because I can just okay. see Jonathan's face. Okay. I know just my soul shriveling. No, guys, where his, guys where what, what's running right through now. my head is I'm sitting here going, this could be the last time we're at this podcast table <laughs> together. <laughs> like, that's that's what's going through my head. Uh, yeah. All right, Patrick, give us the gospel. What if, anyway, <laughs> what, what, to, to speak to what Brad was saying, like, yeah. when I was in high school, I lost uh, one of my family friends to, to cancer. And I was like... I came mm. home from uh, like uh, musical rehearsal, so I'd been yeah. at this rehearsal, and we're like in the run up to the show. Like this is the week of the show, and I come home and I have this like bomb dropped on me that this yeah. person that I knew is gone, and mm-hmm. I didn't get to say goodbye because yeah. I thought we had more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, oh, now I have to like sit here and be in this awful feeling. I can't just like run away and avoid it. Yeah. I have to just experience this and then go back to school tomorrow as if, like, the whole world hasn't changed for me. Right. And I think the mom is a little girl in the film uh, says something like, uh, everyone is asking questions and just kind of uh, shows the reality of what happens when when death comes. Yeah. One thing about this film is when she – so she wrote this. She did all this press for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and it's, like, 2020, like, COVID hits, pandemic – she goes back home, starts writing this film. This movie was made in a bubble. It's a it's a small film. There's not a lot of cast. I would imagine there wasn't a lot of crew when they made this film. They made it during the height of COVID, and when it came out, debuted at some film festivals. It was in 2021, which was still very much, uh, there was a lot of lockdown happening. But I think what's fascinating is people watching this film could relate to it and resonate with it so much because there was so much loss of life during that time in the world. And uh, so yeah. the, the, the that's grief, helpful context. Yeah. And yeah. so that, that's why I think when it was released at the time that it did, I mean, you saw it, when did you see it last year? 2022 uh, so, uh, mother's day of 2022. Yeah. So when it finally like kind of hit more of a broader release, like everyone's kind of been in this two year state of, lockdowns and and uncertainty and losing loved ones and not being able to say goodbye, not being able to see their loved ones and say goodbye because they were, you know, under quarantine in a hospital bed or something like that. And so I think that brings a lot of context to the power of the film when it when it was released. Mm. So Patrick, you promised to pull us out. <laughs> I gotta try and get us out of this hole before. Sorry, I keep we keep digging deeper and deeper. <laughs> Sorry about that. So back to the idea of like uh you played with your friends for the last time and you didn't know it in this moment, in this scene where they're getting to go out on the lake and go see this, this little art installation, they know that this is the last time they're ever going to see each other in this form. Like this, they know and they get to like truly enjoy it because like we get to say everything we want to say. The scene is in silence. So we don't know what they talk about while they're out there. If they talk about anything or if they even need to. Right. Um, But they know. And so they truly get to say goodbye and it's kind of, how the movie ends like they get to say goodbye and then Nellie gets to say goodbye to her grandmother the way that she wanted to which is something that most people never get a chance to do um and so the movie kind of wraps up in that way and then we finally get to see them uh Nellie get closure with Mary and her mother as an adult as well uh and kind of parse through their their grief together 
I love the way that final scene is shot because she's just said goodbye to her grandmother and it's shot in a way as if she's almost saying hello to her mother. Yeah. Like her mm. mother is is come back and it's also shot in a way that leaves you questioning like is her mother so so now we're going to get into some time travel stuff. Like <laughs> does her mother have memory of what Nellie just experienced? Um like it it's shot in a way that kind of leaves you with with that question. Right. Um of like do they now have this mutually shared connection? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, that's met them at this this point of grief. I don't know. I just think it's pointing yeah. through the way that grief can can actually bring us closer together in connection. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, this past year, like, not only did I lose my grandfather, but only, like, a month or so later, my friend that I, I host my movie nights with uh, also lost his grandfather. And so we mm. kind of, when we ended up covering this movie, naturally, um, we both kind of got to sit there after the movie and kind of parse through our grief together. And that's, wow. so that's something that the movie that's about this very thing allowed us the space to do. Because, like, that's something that, I mean, to be perfectly frank, men just don't do very often, and especially mm-hmm. in an American what context. What are you talking we about? We don't, we just don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't, I mean, Americans in general don't like talking about death. It's just, we have a big phobia of it, what? and we, we just don't like talking <laughs> about it, but men especially are not supposed to, like, talk about their feelings, and so being mm-hmm. able to parse through your grief with another yeah. man and, like, sit in that, and, like, it suck, but you have someone to do that with. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, is something that you don't often get. So well, yeah, totally. And, and to put what I was trying to get at in in another way of like that that connection and parsing through your grief together. So at the beginning of the film, you know, um, Nellie has lost her grandmother, and in going back to childhood, Marion, Marion has lost her grandmother. Yeah. So there's that connection, and then at the end of the film, Nellie by having to leave behind childhood Marion is going through a loss of her mother yeah. in a way and comes back and is able to now connect with adult Marion who's lost her mother. So it's like it's like that kind of relationship allows them to relate to one another and be like I know how mm-hmm. you're how you're feeling. Well, and I think we've all experienced that where uh if there's a loss of a loved one when the family comes together and all of a sudden you find yourself finding out things about your parents, grandparents, maybe people are more willing to uh, open up, uh, I've always said that, I don't know if I've always said this, actually, but <laughs> I think I've said this. You're saying it now. I mean, like, uh, no one. going forward, it will be something you've always not, said. You know, it aw- and Jonathan will make this joke, too. It, like a yeah. wedding, it feels like no one's paying attention to the sermon, you know? It's like, let's get yeah. through it to the uh, the party. But at a funeral, man, everybody's locked in. Yeah, everybody's yeah. locked in. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like I, I could just bring like nothing to the sermon. Yeah. And right. it's going to slap not because of anything I'm doing, but because of the yeah. moment. And yeah. so, I mean, death is there's this um, reality that strikes people that causes them to think and to reflect and to prioritize and to open up and be vulnerable because you feel vulnerable right like the right. the vulnerability that we daily live with <laughs> it's like we just keep going so low but the but yeah the vulnerability we daily live with the reality our finitude mm. um the lack of control that we do have uh all of that just kind of comes and it slaps you in the face face and that's where I just think the, simple right the first time <laughs> <laughs> slaps you in the face slaps, yep. you, slaps you in the faith yeah um 
And that's why the, the hope of the resurrection is so powerful. And mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be bells and whistles. You know, it, you just proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's and the what resurrection I mean by hope that we have. You, in the thing, man. <laughs> you know, um, there's a quote. Yeah. There's a quote from the most, the most recent John Wick movie <laughs> that really just. Wait, wait, you've seen it? <laughs> I watched it last week. I don't want to talk. I, I had an talk. opportunity. Man. I don't want to talk. I feel betrayed. Talk about just no idea. Like, where's John Mark about to pull from? <laughs> no, right I have now? no clue. Those who cling to death live. That's what John Wick said. And I just thought. It's very Hegelian. Holy crap. Yeah, I think it's like a some, uh, you know, proverb from some Eastern thing. And there, there's another half to it. You know, the, the guy that he's fighting, like, retorts back. Like, those who who cling to life die or something yeah. like that. It's like his retort back, but I just love that John Wick said that. Joe Mark, in your funeral, can I quote yes. jo- John Wick? I'm, you know, in this scenario, you're dead. I'm still alive, and, I'm, and I'm preaching live. your funeral, or at well, least Brad, speaking. But It doesn't matter if you quote John Wick, because of the context, it's going to slap, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, exactly. No, no in, in, in all seriousness, just talking about um, – vulnerability opening up in these moments and sharing more. Um, It sounds really weird to say one of my favorite moments like pastorally, but Mm. just to give people a window into what you get to do as a pastor in, in the midst of preparing for a funeral. So typically after someone has died, you go and you spend time with the family. You may even be with the family as they go to the funeral home, they make decisions. But at some point you're going to sit down with them to plan the service and, and this is one of my favorite times to spend with families um, because, yes, you're going to talk through what songs do you want to do, what's the order of the service, but that is going to be about five minutes yep. of the conversation. And then you're going to spend anywhere from an hour to – I've been with a family for four hours before, five hours before. Um, it's just the better part of a day, and people are just going to start telling stories. Mm-hmm. and talking about memories or talking about characteristics or whatever, and they're going to open up and they're going to get vulnerable. There are people that I have felt like I didn't really know very well at all until I sat down within that context. And there will be tears and there will be laughter and there will be, I mean, and, and yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that I think this, this moment when you come to the threshold of life and death, um, it presses you to be willing to go to places you normally wouldn't be willing to go because you, you, you're you faced with the fragility mm-hmm. of, of life. Mm, yeah. One of the things that's interesting, too, in the movie is we reflect on processing grief is it's not like any answers are given or the grief is taken away. You know, rather it's processed. And I think sometimes if we as we sit with people in the midst of grief, we – we either don't want to do or we get so nervous about the situation because we feel like we need to take it away. What do I say right now to make them feel better? What do I say right now? What's the right thing? You know, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, and really it's not that in the midst of grief, we need someone to say the right thing or to give the right answer to give us some sort of revelation that we don't know, but rather it's just to have someone else be present with us. And in a way in the film, it's about this girl being present with her mother in a way that her mother's being vulnerable and honest. And so I think that kind of speaks to the power of presence and grief, just as you were talking, Jonathan, that came to mind. Dude, one of my favorite moments was very early in the film. Um, 
it was it was the moment at which I knew I was going to enjoy the film. Because I don't know, I don't know what y'all's experience. So y'all are big movie buffs and all of that. I'm not a big movie buff. Y'all being John, Mark, and Patrick, just to be clear. So and it takes it takes a lot of effort for me to watch a movie. Like I I I every time I sit down to watch a movie, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm kind of like dreading it a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I gotta sit here for how long? And like I don't want to a little fidgety. Or and, you get and, a little fidgety. And all the time, it never it never fails. There comes a moment, you know, where I'm pulled into the story. Yeah. And then I'm enjoying it. And I'm very glad that I turned it on and that I'm watching it. All of that, right? So the moment that that happened for me was after they leave kind of the assisted living place or wherever it was that her yeah. grandmother had been living. Um and they're making the drive uh, Nellie is sitting in the back seat and she asked permission to eat this snack. And it's kind of, it, it reminds me of Cheetos. And first, the first thing I yeah. loved about it was the way Nellie ate the Cheetos, where yeah. she like nibbled them. Like it just took me back to being a kid, right? <laughs> just taking about those moments. Yeah. But then she begins to share the snack with her mom by reaching around the front seat and sharing her snack and her drink. And in a way that you know this is something they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they've done this before. This is this yeah. is that kind of thing, and it was that first moment. I, I feel like of of connection that you see right there between her and her mom. And I don't know why. Like I don't have a great like uh, philosophical meaning or something <laughs> like that. But that that's just what began yeah. to pull me into their relationship, mm-hmm. and and that this was going to be interesting as yeah. a film. Well, also that scene ends with uh, Nellie giving her mother a hug, like yeah. recognizing in that moment that this is like, yeah, they're having this fun little moment, mm-hmm. but it's kind of an aside from the other like big cloud looming right. over what's happening right, right now. Yeah. Because yeah. they're driving to the grandmother's house to like pack it up and right. sell it. It felt mm-hmm. like me, it felt like for me that grasping for a sense of normalcy yeah. when everything's feeling like it's topsy-turvy kind of right. thing. Right. But it's yeah. those exact moments like when you're looking back on like, after you've gotten through that like first nasty storm of grief, mm. of like th- that was the moment that I thought, oh, I think think th- things are going to be okay. Mm. They're not going to be normal or like perfect ever again because that person's gone. Mm-hmm. But like I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can I yeah. tell you guys my favorite quote from the movie? Sure. And then hear y'all's thoughts if you liked it as well. So my favorite quote, maybe my favorite moment, and this probably says more about me than it is the movie, but was when uh, Child Marion and Nellie are talking to one another, and Child Marion asks, are you from the future? And do you remember what Nellie says? I'm she from goes, the path behind you. I come from behind yeah, you. that was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. And it's one of those moments where it takes you a second <laughs> as your yeah. mind st- is trying to sort out what's happening, but... Once you do, it's this kind of reality um, about how generations before us shape who we are today. Yeah. And, you know, once again, as being Americans, we love being um, autonomous and at times maybe distancing ourselves from the family of our past and things that they've done. And we're kind of self-made. Yeah. It's pretty much like every Pixar individuals. Movie <laughs> pretty much every Pixar movie is like, don't listen to your parents. <laughs> Do what you want to do. Carve a path for yourself. That's because it's made by a bunch of artists who were all told by their parents, you want to be an animator? Yeah, yeah. What? 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it is interesting how, like, I'm going yeah. to see the new Pixar movie on Friday with the kids at yeah. Elemental, and there is, in the trailer, there's that that vibe happening yes. with some of the characters. Well, totally. You know? uh, a counterpoint Anyways. to that, not... Like yeah. oh Pixar's no, no, no. great because no, no, no. of that. No, I, um, I do love Pixar. I'm, yeah. not, not, I'm going to see the movie. Right. Talk <laughs> about a filmmaker making company that did, loves to crush your emotions. Didn't they uh, just heart. didn't they just fire a bunch of people or a bunch of people left? I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Either. I thought I saw something. Anyway, go um, ahead, Patrick. Uh, Studio Ghibli, the other like big animation house, is a lot about um, like generational stuff as well. And and one of the things I saw from several reviewers about. Petite Maman is that it's kind of like a live action Ghibli film in a sort of way. Oh, cool! Um, and so I did what I always do when I come on this podcast, which is over prepared. <laughs> so I watched, uh, I watched yesterday the Darjeeling Limited. Um, oh, nice! And uh, my neighbor Totoro, and then watched Petite Maman today. I almost watched Me and Earl and the Dying Girl as well because it's such a that's a that's the film I watched the night before I went to my grandfather's funeral. Uh, because it's about someone who's like dying of cancer and these two friends that are like trying to comfort her in this moment uh, through the power of cinema. Um, and so I watched this with my friend who would later go on to lose his grandfather in the year. Um, and this is like only a couple hours before I have to leave and go to the funeral and play a song for my grandfather. Um, and I watched so many of those movies last year to kind of process both before uh, it happened and then after his death, to kind of process my grief through art, um, and, and, and films like that really helped because, mm -hmm. like, it, it was a place where I felt like comfortable, like expressing myself and having emotion. Because you know, it's it's still tough to like cry in public. Yeah, sure. Um, but with with watching these movies, is being able to see like, oh, that's me. Like, I I feel this, um, and seeing that in those movies is it was super helpful. Mm, yeah. Well, and I, as I was thinking through the I Come From Behind You, it just made me think about, you know, some of the discussions we've had with Colin Hansen and how we view parents and grandparents and generations before us and how if you think your grandparents did everything right, then that's kind of idealistic. Mm -hmm. But if you think that your parents and grandparents did everything wrong, then that's naive. And the, the reality is complicated. Right. And that is the generations before us did some things well that we can learn from and then also did some things poorly. And it just made me think about the scriptures and how the scriptures um, don't, because sometimes in the midst of death, we can, what, we can glamorize, we can, uh, what's the word I'm looking for with people? We can idealize, we can pass over some of the negative, romanticize. Or romanticize, thank you, and pass over some of the hard things. Ha practice some hagiography. <laughs> Um, and pass over some of the hard things in the midst of sentimentality, in the midst of feeling loss, right? We we don't want to name those sort of things. We don't want to be disrespectful to the dead. We don't want to tarnish their memory in any way. But one of the things that's so powerful, I think, about that statement, the first came from Colin Hansen, but then also just the reality of the scriptures are that people are painted in an honest light. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are going through judges right now, and, and, and we see this even with major figures of the faith. Right, we think about Samson, or we think about David, <laughs> right? Uh, we think about Peter in the New Testament. I mean, you get like a full picture of people, and it's, um, I think, the reality of the, the truth that we see in the scriptures is that we can be honest about the ways that generations before us have shaped us negatively, 
And we can also be honest about how, because of sin, uh, we will also negatively shape the generations that come after us. Yep. Um, but that nonetheless, God is working through us and is doing good. And, and so in that sense, I think it gives kind of a totalizing picture of how to look at generations, generational sin, and even ourselves and uh, whatever words you want to use to talk about legacy or how we'll affect our children. But ultimately it does in not in tragedy, but in hope because of the the gospel. Uh, A summary statement that's been helpful for me, uh, Brad, is that uh, honor and honesty are not at odds. Yes. Um, And And that's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Jonathan, for saying that. Well, I'll give credit back where it's due. That comes from a book that you recommended to me. Uh, (laughs) How about that? I knew my fingerprints were on that. Which but book? yeah, well, Which and that's book been, was it? that comes from unashamed. Uh, okay. Um. Or no, unwanted. unwanted. Unwanted, not unashamed. Unwanted. I think unashamed is a book, probably, <laughs> but <laughs> unwanted. Um. Anyway. Uh. But but yeah, and it's been a helpful thing, like for me, uh, in counseling settings, mm-hmm. uh, especially as people are talking about their relationship with their parents, or because especially people that I think were raised in an environment similar to the one that I was raised in where I, I have great parents. I have a good, I, I, I had a good family life and, and, and there was a culture of, uh, honoring. I mean, we create this in Christian circles, right? This is biblical yeah, honoring sure. your parents, your mother mm-hmm. and father and all of that. Um, but like sometimes that can lead us to not be fully honest about the things that we went through or experienced growing up that weren't awesome mm-hmm. and all that. And so trying to help people parse through and walk through, you know, you can both honor your parents and previous generations and also be honest. Like those things aren't at odds. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really helpful in processing grief, like what mm. you're talking about. Yeah. I think back to one of the over-preparing things I did. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about the, like, three or four books you have on the <laughs> we table? We can talk about those in a minute. That you read in um, totality? Yeah, I read them in totality. They're not just yeah. props. Um, but the Darjeeling <laughs> Limited is kind of, like, about what you're talking about. It's about uh, these three brothers who have kind of, like, fallen out of a relationship with after their father died, uh, and they're trying to, you know, reunite and, and become a unit again. Uh, but, like, as you go through the movie, you start to find out through like little snippets of what they talk about their father is like, he wasn't like perfect or, or great. Uh, and is part of the reason why they're so messy and they struggle to connect with one another. Mm. Um, but they still clearly love him. And through the stories that they tell, you still hear that. Like there, there was something good in that guy who brought the best parts of these, these three men and the worst parts, mm. so it, it's honest. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's it's honoring that 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 character as well. And a quote I love from the film uh, was, "We'll never get over it, but that's okay. There are greater forces at work." Mm. Yeah, man. I'd seen the film once before, but like uh, yesterday, I was just like, "I want to watch a bunch of movies that are going to hit me like a truck, please." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just convinced that the gospel is the only way we can make sense of reality. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. It might be obvious, but oh, yeah, you just see it. I mean, you see it yeah. in film, you see it in books, you see it in the stories that we long for, you see it yep. in in some of the deepest, most complicated questions we ask about evil and suffering. Mm. Mm. And so, I, I have something I want to share so bad right now, but I don't have permission from this person. So I th- and I think they would be totally fine. 
So I'm gonna share it in in with, with vagueness, <laughs> um, but but basically uh, they had a friend pass away uh, recently, and they were present at that uh, funeral. And this this friend who passed um, was not uh, she, she was a wife and a mom. She was not old, um, and and her husband spoke at the funeral, and and some of what he said was recently shared uh, with me, and. He talks about um, how at times like these we can say things that are glib and that are trite, you know, um, but none of those things can actually bring like the, the healing balm that's needed. And where he goes is uh, to the final lines of the creed, mm. um, I believe, in the communion of saints, mm. the resurrection of the body mm. and the life everlasting. And then he tells a story about one of the first times after his wife's diagnosis that uh, she was sitting with him and with their pastor. And she talks about the building where she had cancer. She talks about the building where she's going to receive her chemo treatments. And she says, I'm, I'm going to misquote, but I'm going to get it. I printed this email when it was sent to me, and it is sitting on my desk. <laughs> yep. Um but she says, this building where I'm going to receive my chemo treatments is a beautiful building. And I want it to be destroyed. Because I don't want anyone to be sick anymore. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want the new heavens and the new earth. I want it in full. I want it all. And I, I just feel like that gets at like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. With like the gospel is the only, it's the only thing that can help us make sense of life as we experience it, the longings that we have and how they collide with the realities of, of death. And yet we have these, this longing and this hope that just is relentless. And, and yeah, I think the gospel is the only thing that can make sense of all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. 100%. yeah to that point, um, one of the, the things that's been most helpful, uh, I mean, at the funeral, the, the worst thing that I kept hearing was just like, we're so sorry for your loss. It's like, were you responsible? No. <laughs> so, and I know that's like a, a glib way to kind of respond to that. And obviously I didn't say that to their face, but it was just like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. I know it sucks, but that that isn't helpful. It's not like sharing a moment with me. It's just like, they're there and then moving on. Um, but the, the pastor that eulogized my grandfather, the stories that he would tell and like the fact that like before the service, he sat down and got to know me. Um, and I've seen him out, uh, several times in public since then. And like, he's asked me how I'm doing and told me another story. And it's like, dude, don't do this here. I don't want to cry at work. (laughs) 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 But also it's like, uh, that shows a genuine care. And that was far more helpful for me processing my grief than, you know, like, we're so sorry for your loss. It's, mm. it's something that was actually, like, sharing with me. Like, I also knew your grandfather, and this is how I knew him. Um, yeah. And that, that was far far better for me to process my grief than just, you know, general platitudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for anyone who wants to experience um, <laughs> processing <laughs> grief through film, but you aren't quite down with the French film and all of that, might I recommend uh, WandaVision? Um, the Marvel television show. <laughs> what is grief if not love persevering? Ah, uh, so anyway. beautiful. 
Sorry. <laughs> what were there, Patrick? Are there any other things? I've got to go here and not too long. Yeah. Um, you guys are more than welcome to keep continuing the conversation. But is there were there any other specific things that you were like, man, we didn't really get to touch on these things? Um, uh, I think there's a lot of like circular storytelling going on in this film, uh, specifically with the opening shot because it is a, a cool one. Uh, which starts on like this this older woman and you like if you've not watched the trailer or you don't know much about this movie going in you're like oh is that is that like a grandmother and when it pans down to Nellie you're like okay that's the relationship and then she just says goodbye and, and dips uh, right. and then we start following Nellie through this hallway and as she's saying goodbye to all these these older women and then finally we get to this room and it's just it's there's no sheets on the bed uh, it's just the mother putting away stuff um and you realize oh she's trying to say goodbye to someone that's no longer there she's trying to find all these fill-ins for these pe- for this person that's no longer there mm-hmm. and that's so much about like what hurts with grief is like it's an absent presence like you feel them there you feel them everywhere like you, you can feel the fact that they're not there anymore dude like, that's oppressive dude my yeah, favorite my favorite description of that feeling that you're talking about ever um, came from the children's book series, uh, series of unfortunate events. Yes, uh-huh. and oh, somebody uh, mentioned Lemony Snicket. Yeah, in Lemony one of the Snicket. reviews I read. <laughs> Lemony this. Snicket. Anyways, go on. Uh, he describes. Uh, he 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 has this thing that he does throughout the book where he he describes concepts that maybe are too difficult for children with word pictures, and one of them is this feeling you're describing when someone dies, and what he the picture he gives is of climbing a staircase and getting to the top and thinking there's one more stair and that feeling you have when your foot reaches for the one more stair and it's not there. And I don't know why, but that has stuck with me ever since of like, that's that feeling, Mm. you know, of Mm. that thing that you expect to be there. That's not. Mm. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, I think one of the things that's cool about that opening shot, and I didn't think about this watching the film. I didn't think about it until the, course of this discussion which i think is one of the cool things about talking about film right. That's people right. should do it more yeah you should talk <laughs> about film more um but uh, but we've talked a lot about that experience of of not knowing when the last time is mm-hmm. and what what i think is it shows up in that first scene is oh nelly actually knew several of these other elderly people in this kind of assisted living home because she would come and Mm -hmm. visit her grandmother. And while she didn't know it was the last time she would visit her grandmother, she does know it's the last time she's going to see all of them. Right. She's never coming back. And so she's getting to do with them what she longs to do with her grandmother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You know, while you're looking, Patrick, I'll just say I just loved – this is not profound or I don't think it's going to hit with anyone. But I just love seeing the dad interact with her. Yeah, And it just made me think about my own daughter and her growing up and also her facing tragedy and evil and suffering and loss and all of that. And even just him shaving his beard. Like, you can shave my beard. Just a very small act. And it made me think about, oh, what would I do just to offer some sort of relief in the midst of suffering for her? And that's when the waterworks happened for me. (laughs) But (laughs) I really just kind of appreciated his presence in the film. Yeah, I was about to ask. I don't know if there's more there. That, well, that was a scene she, that I, I had wanted to come back to. I'd, I'd forgotten. I was going to ask what y'all made of that, of that scene. And so for you, it was about like a way for him to connect with her. Um, yeah, because obviously the mom is processing 
and I mean, whether that's happening through like the child version of herself, yeah. like she's still present in a way, but she's also kind of removed, but the father's there. And obviously it's, it's hitting him in kind of a different way. He's not experiencing the amount of grief that his wife is, right. but he's just kind of present. And yeah. Yeah. Because that figure is, is like, uh, a mother that he married into. Right, yeah. Rather than, like, someone that's directly related to him. So, yeah, it's still a loss, and, like, he feels a sense of grief through, like, what his wife is going through, but, you know, it's it's not it's not the same. It's, yeah. it's an entirely different framework to think about that version of grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it, it makes me reflect on, um, I mean, all, all of us in this room, like, our, our parents, um, are aging, you know, and I've watched my mom uh, have to go to her childhood home and sift through everything and pack through everything. And so then it's me like processing kind of like anticipating that experience mm-hmm. and how strange that is and, 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 and what it feels like, like, what will it feel like to have to, I mean, you've, you've watched your parents mm-hmm. do that through a very extensive uh process brad because yep. you know both of their childhood homes were left to them yep you know and mm-hmm. um and so yeah i just i don't know it got me to reflect on that as as well which is one of those things that i think like you're talking about our avoidance of death that's one of those things that we kind of like don't want to process like we kind of like push away but right. the, the movie kind of made me sit here and go i, I will have to go through this process one day mm. yeah their their presence in the in that home uh, brings back a lot of memories for me because I lived in my grandmother's house twice (laughs) since I've been married. Uh, It was left to my parents and it's kind of on some family property down in Harpersville. And when Ashley and I first got married, we lived in that house for a year and a half. Uh, and then we we've moved several times since we've been married, and so before we moved to to Bluff Park where we are now, we we lived there for like eight months again or something like that with our kids. Um, so yeah, I mean it's you know their their presence in the home in that film just makes me reflect on my own life, how I've been able to spend time in the house that my grandparents lived in. You know, my grandmother actually died in the house. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when, when I lived there, like I would have like crazy, (laughs) crazy (laughs) dreams about my grandmother. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I can just, I can just relate to all that. I can relate to my parents having to go through things and sift through, you know, uh, furniture, cups, plates. So just like thinking through all the, the estate, I guess, side of, of things when you lose a loved one and you, you have all this stuff that you have. Yeah, I have to do something with it. So I don't really believe in in ghosts in the traditional like public way that most people do. You don't uh, think that was John Mark's grandmother giving him <laughs> those dreams? I'm not gonna say that, but you know that that's not what I particularly believe. Um, but I I do believe in like the the concept of like haunted houses, but not in like a negative sense. So like you can walk into a place like your childhood home, and even if no one lives there, you can still kind of feel like the emotions you felt there, the memories that you have there, the people that have lived there. Um, and, and you, you can remember that stuff and it does feel like, you know, that, that house is lived in. It, it feels like it retains echoes of those, those memories, but it's a haunting feeling, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, but <coughs> and not in a negative sense. And I mean, right, maybe right, that's right. what, well, and I'm just spitballing here. I don't know. You, you may have more thoughts on this, Patrick, but maybe with the whole the idea of, you know, she, 
the mom talks about how she saw a panther, mm-hmm. you know, and then she sees that panther right. towards the end of the film, and I think maybe that's something that they're alluding to as well, just like sort of like those those memories, those things that have happened in those spaces yeah. that that uh, y- that are still inhabited but not inhabited. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think For because of the, the way that the film is done, the circular storytelling, it's a reminder that, like, sure, they've processed their grief in this one way, but it's like an ongoing process. It mm-hmm. never truly oh, yeah. ends. Like, you'll be 10 years down the road and you'll think about, a memory of someone that's no longer with you and it'll hit you like a freight truck and you'll be fine yeah. the next day but like it it comes in waves and is you just have to learn to live with it i Wha- might be butchering this but is it wendell berry that has this quote about grief and it's like grief goes from being a lion that's like right in front of you to being like a golden retriever that's like curled up in the corner mm. and so like there's this shift but it never goes away mm. yeah um and it's always there affecting you and shaping you in some way really crazy story so i was here at shades and uh jordan texts me like someone just keeps knocking at our door and they won't go away and i was like well open it up and which was wise it was the middle of the day (laughs) and so she opens up the door there's an elderly man there and it turns out this elderly man lived in our home in like the 50s or 60s or something um, maybe it was like the 70s and uh like the 70s and so he had Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, I didn't say that right. And so he was there with his uh, new wife, who is a psychologist, and she wanted to bring him to this home and have him walk around to see if any memories would come would up. Trigger. And so Jordan was like, I think you guys are being honest and you're not going to murder me, so <laughs> come on in. <laughs> and so they, she's, she was like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, they're both really old, and he's got a cane. I think I could take them. That's what she was thinking. <laughs> so she lets so she lets him in, and he's walking around the house, and he would just be standing in one spot, and then he would just start crying. Oh, my goodness. And memories were coming back as he was in these different areas of the house, and so that was really cool. But I think that goes to, to what you were saying. But, yeah, that was a pretty crazy, powerful moment. Dude, uh, can I share a crazy story? Please. Um, so two Sundays ago, I met this new couple uh, who was visiting Shades for the first time. And through the course of our conversation, I realized that they live in this neighborhood uh, right across the street from Shades. And so to relate to them, I'm like, oh, you know, my family used to live in that neighborhood. We lived on Knollcrest. And they're like, we live on Knollcrest. <laughs> and I'm like, which house? And they, they tell me the, the house number. And I'm like, nuh-uh. And they live... In the first house that Holly and I lived in <laughs> over here in Homewood. But it gets crazier. It gets crazier. They have two kids. They have a daughter who's four and a son who's two. When Holly and I moved into that house, Karis was four and Levi was two. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so without even stepping back into the home, like these memories begin to flood. Yeah, and begin to just be pulled to the to the forefront. And Holly and I, like, I sit down and tell her about this, and we just begin to reminisce, and all of these stories begin to to come up. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, man, place is really powerful in in pulling forth those memories. One of the this mm-hmm. is the fi- I, I have to run, but this is the final <laughs> thing I'll mention that's kind of connected to that in the film. It was another thing that I really enjoyed that was small. They didn't make a big deal out of it, but there's a moment where. Uh, they move a dresser mm-hmm. and realize that the walls had been painted, mm. uh, but they hadn't moved the dresser to paint. And so, like, the old wallpaper pattern is still visible, 
but which is one of the clues when she when Nellie starts to visit childhood Mary, and it's one of the clues that that is her mom because mm-hmm. when she goes to her house, that's, that's the, the wallpaper. that's the wallpaper mm-hmm. that's everywhere. But it's for me, it's just this this kind of like the layered history mm-hmm. that's there, and it's always like you can't cover it up. Yeah, like it's always there, and as as you peel back, kind of those memories and later, like that's kind of what went through my mind as as like the grief process. Right. Of yeah. It's like I have to go back in order to go forward. I've got to go back through all of these things. Oh, man. The counselor in me is just loving this right now. I mean, dude, this is amazing. Yeah, the layers of wallpaper is a sign that we can't escape the past, that we have to reckon with it, and that it's still present with us even if we don't see it. Well, I mean, that's good. I'm going to use that. Guys, I love y'all. And <laughs> watching that movie was fun. I'm Patrick, I think that every time we do this, you should force us to watch something we haven't seen before. That's my goal. Um, that's right. And I look forward to doing it again. Y'all keep going. Y'all can talk for as long as you want. But I've got to run to a meeting. So, Patrick, thank you, man. So, I enjoyed it, guys. Y'all keep going. Thanks, Jonathan. I've got, like, one more thought. One yeah. more thought. Go yeah, for sure. it, Patrick. What, but, Patrick, first tell us, what do you think about what Jonathan said? I thought <laughs> it was a little derivative. Unpack it. <laughs> Let's spend the next hour just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead, Patrick. I think it's such an American thing to be, like, scared of ghosts. Like, that's something that we... No, seriously, it's something yeah. that we invented here. Every, if you watch movies and art from other culture, you just start to discover that they're not really like... I just pulled the microphone back to my <laughs> face real quick. The <laughs> word ghost literally just means spirit. Yeah. Like that's why we say Holy Ghost yeah. for the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's an older English form of saying Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right, I'm really leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but like, ghosts don't have to be scary. Uh, that That's the thing that we invented. And so a lot of like... Spanish cinema and other movies from like other cultures will investigate that, including something like Personal Shopper from uh, mm-hmm. Olivier Isaias. Mm-hmm. Um, like, ghosts don't have to be scary. They're just ways that we can reconnect to people who have passed on. It's 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 a way that culturally we've invented in some regards to connect with people who are no longer with us. Whether or not you connect that to you know a deeper religion or you that's one of your spiritual things i think that that's just one of the the ways that we've been able to process our grief and usually i think it's it's memories that are allowing ghosts to exist but i think uh it it would help a lot of people if we just were more comfortable like sitting with ghosts and just being with people who are, are not not like Pull out the. <laughs> you mean like Casper? Yeah, we're not. We're. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you pull out like your your Hasbro boards and start summoning summoning demons. <laughs> but uh, like, just to be clear, yeah. Uh, yeah. What? But what I am suggesting is like I think because we're so afraid of death, like pondering it and sitting with it and, and thinking about these people, and not not to like make yourself sad, but like to remember the the good stuff about the people who are gone because like that's how we keep those memories alive. And like, that's when you think about that kind of stuff, that's when you start to realize like, Oh, that's where that part of me, like that, that creative thing that I love that, that, that that's what inspired me to go do that. And so mm. I get to think about all the great things that like my grandfather instilled in me and the people who are now gone. Um, mm-hmm. Like my family friend who passed away, he gave me several of the costumes I've worn when I've acted. Um, and so, like, I still get to keep him alive through that. Yeah. Wow. I come from behind you. I love it. 
This was great. I'm glad that we got to watch this film. I'm glad that we got to discuss it. Thanks, Patrick, so much for coming on the show and no uh, yeah. helping. I'll pick something weirder next time. Yeah, What's great? What's great is like I think if I just would have watched that movie randomly and then walked away, I probably wouldn't have thought about it that much. Yeah. But like getting together and talking about yeah. it, it's like oh, I appreciate it so much more. Yeah. And so I don't know what I love more: watching the movie or talking about the movie. It's hard to say. I think both coming together is uh, kind of a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Richer the experience, I, I would say. So. There we go. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you all made it through this episode. Uh, please go watch it. Let us yeah. know your thoughts, okay? We want to engage with film and culture here on Shades Midweek. It's just one of the things that we do. If you'd like to email us, you can do so at midweek at shadesvalley.org because here at Shades Midweek, you are, are part, part of the conversation. Conversation. <laughs> Thanks so much. Nailed it. Nailed it.